0: Welcome to the DL. This is the show where we talk about everything in the truck and equipment repair industry. It's my job to help inform and educate you on ways to help your business. We talk with technicians, business owners, associations, industry experts, manufacturers, and even a few you wouldn't think traditionally apply to your business. Welcome everyone to another episode of the DL. I'm your host, Tyler Robertson, the CEO and founder of Diesel Laptops. And today I get to talk about one of my two favorite, favorite, favorite subjects and the things I'm really passionate about. So number one is definitely diesel diagnostics and equipment repair and that whole thing. But the other side of it, if you can't tell, is the entrepreneurship side of it. So with that said, I was really fortunate to have someone that's local here in the Midlands area that is really going through that whole thing himself right now and has been going through it for a while. So with that, I'd like to introduce Lance Brown, the CEO of Rhino Medical Supplies. So welcome to the thank show, you sir. For, thank you. You for having me this is a pleasure awesome so first time in a studio like this it for sure this is like a this is a real studio yeah you yeah. know when people say we have a podcast thing I think that a lot of times they think hey it's gonna be like a webcam thing and we, we do those as well but Robert our guy behind the scenes is so job. easy
1: with with podcasts now you can just get the equipment off Amazon and you kind of set it up in yeah. your in your house and now this is a studio yeah the
0: lighting and yeah. the cameras yeah it's it's a bit crazy what he has going on so so' Lance, why don't we just kind of let's let's just rewind the clock a little bit um because before you get on the air you know I'm like oh Entrepreneurship and trying new things, like well, I'm kind of a risk adverse person, which is counterintuitive to, yes. to entrepreneurship. So, why don't we kind of go back to to you know where where did it start? Yeah, it's a great question. And again, by nature, I'm a risk averse person. And so, two,
1: 2013 is when I really delved into and started my first business. But it was kind of like one foot in, one foot out. So I, I worked for Wells Fargo for 13 years. So I had a a real job that paid the bills. So if I did if I did fail, I, I was still good. In yep. fact. If I didn't have a real job, the, the hookah spot is my first business. We wouldn't be in business because of the first couple of years of business, really rough and challenging. Yep. So in twenty thirteen we started a business and it was kind of like, you know, I get to test some things. I'm an entrepreneur, play play entrepreneur is what I called myself. Um, and then in twenty seventeen. So wait, was it just you at this time or it was, so did you- I started with a partner. Okay. And this is how it started. Didn't know anything about hookah. So we got a hookah lounge in Five Points. And you knew uh, nothing about hookah lounge. Literally line. knew nothing about hookah. My friend that I went to college with at USC, yeah, uh, she moved to Atlanta and she, she texted me and she said, hey, I want to start a hookah lounge in Columbia. Can you help me find a spot? And I text back like, I want in. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's how I'm it in. started. So yeah. like, so I... Uh, a partner in that. In 2015, I took over full control of it. Okay. So I'm 100% owner of the Hookah Spot. We've been there for seven years. We started on St. Patty's Day. Okay. Thirty thousand people in five points. Figured we couldn't lose that day. Yeah, yeah. It's so a good, good way to open it, was it a up. a good way to open yeah. it up. With Thirty thousand people, and we've been there ever since. And you know, COVID has presented its challenges with us being a. It's almost like a cigar lounge. So yeah. obviously, with respiratory and COVID, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're doesn't mix gonna, very well right now. We're going to be the first ones to shut down and the last to open. Yeah. <clears throat> And then um, my experience with Wells Fargo started out in mortgages and finance. And in 2010, when Wells Fargo and Wachovia merged, my position was created and I became the first merchant rep for the state of South Carolina and went on the East Coast. credit card processing. Credit card processing. Yeah. Okay. And that was, because you got to figure Wells Fargo didn't have banking presence on the East Coast. Okay. It was just mortgage. So grew in that role to, I was supported for four states. Uh, Let me see again. South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee. Um, in Mississippi. We okay. had one store in Mississippi, so I got to claim the whole state. I mean,
0: credit card processing, that's a tough that's a tough gig, right? Because everybody it really, offers it, <clears> and what's really the difference? And that, that's a hard thing to grow.
1: And, and I think that's a really good point, right? So thankful for our background, the banking background, the type of client and the customer that we called on was completely different. Yeah. Because for instance, nobody's walking in here and asking to speak to the owner. Yeah. Right? yeah. So they're not you, making it to my office. You're not going to make it to your office, yeah. right? So with micro merchants, they get hit on every day. Like, can I speak to the owner? I'm, they're trying to sell you something. In order to get in a place like here, B2B mostly, um, more robust solutions, is really challenging. So the only way you can do it is to have a relationship. So through our bank, Wells Fargo banked a lot of businesses. So our business banker would introduce them to me. And we were able to develop our model at Swipe based on that. So in 2017, um, we started Swipe Fest, uh December 1st. I left Wells Fargo, and that was scary. <laughs> yeah. Literally didn't know anything. We didn't have a, a, um, a business card picked out. We didn't have a voicemail for her. Wait.
0: So you had your you had your hookah lounge going on. Yeah. You had your full-time job going on at Wells, and you decided to start swipe and just yeah. So like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. So uh, my hat
1: is Fuqua. So I went to, uh, I got my MBA from Duke, okay. from Duke University. And from there, I honestly thought I was going to be a lifer at Wells Fargo. Yeah. Moving up, big organization, content, making decent money. Yeah. Just happy. My wife was in pharmacy school. We had two small kids, under three. And I was like, I'm just going to keep moving my way up the ladder with Wells Fargo. And yeah. then being at Duke kind of like changed everything for me. Um, It really did. And then... um, What changed? I mean, what, what, what did you realize about yourself there? Well, being... And I think this is good. Being the dumbest person in the room is not a bad thing. <laughs> so <laughs> you can imagine being at Duke, there's a lot of talented people. Yeah. And it just forces you to
0: to increase your game yeah you, you, so, re- you realize how much you don't know all of a sudden all of a sudden and yeah. everything
1: got better like my writing got better my communication got better the the, the biggest thing about Duke because you can get an MBA from anywhere but the way that they teach us how to approach things and find yeah. solutions to to different things that'll come your way from a business standpoint and I was already managing a couple states at the time so it was like real practical things that I could use in real life um so but just being around people and the ambition is different and everybody's really doing big things it kind of it kind of focuses you a little bit. Yeah. I'm from Spartanburg, South Carolina. So I've lived in this hundred mile box my entire life. <laughs> yeah. And then we had people flying in from Puerto Rico, from San Francisco, from New York. And I'm here like, you know, I'm, I've never lived outside of a hundred mile area.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's intimidating and overwhelming. I can imagine. It is.
1: But like, I'm the type, like it challenges, it motivates, it gives me energy. Yeah. But it, it just kind of changed the way I looked at things. And I had a, a, a mentor. And when I was looking at business school, this is a true story. I'm actually, uh, okay. my wife will be mad at me, but you, I'm a game card. Yep. Gamecocks are doing pretty poorly on the football field. I was like, I need, I need a new school to play. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to get an MBA. My wife's like, you're an idiot. Yeah. So, so I talked to my advisor, uh, Anton Gunn, and he said, well, what schools are you applying to? And I was like, you know, Alabama, Florida State. Yeah, People all the big good, football good schools. LSU. Yeah. And he's like, well, why not do, why not like the elite schools? I was like, because it costs too much. And he's like, well, that's what it costs. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a pay for it. It's 120K education. Why. I was like, you know what? He's kind of right. So yeah. then that laser, when I laser focus on anything, then it's either that or nothing. So the only school i applied to was duke okay and luckily they let me in yeah um i finished my MBA in 2016 and then from there the winds the wheels were turning it was like i gotta i gotta like do my own thing and then at the same time the scandal with wells fargo and the fake bank account oh and yes it, i remember it changed like I the sales the partnering relationship like everything changed yeah so it was just kind of like the door opened it forced me to make a decision and perfect timing one of my partners um alex karate who's like a brother a mentor and a partner he had left the bank a while ago, started a real estate business, and him and his dad grew it. I mean, they were buying 1,000 houses a month at one point. Wow. So they had the largest yeah. portfolio of subprime mortgages in the country. Dang. Right here in Columbia. Yeah. And um, he made it to where we could leave and be comfortable and, and grow, swipe the right way, go after the right customers. So we were very strategic in who our ideal fit was. Yeah. And that's kind of it. And then based on that... Um, when COVID hit, we didn't kind of looking at each other. We had a meeting. It was like, what's going to happen? And Alex kind of reallocated his resources, um, and he started a PPE company. And we had a disagreement on the commission, and that was a catalyst for Rhino. And it was the, okay. best, um, it was the best disagreement we've ever had. Yeah. Because we wouldn't have Rhino without it. And Rhino is just drawn like leaps and bounds.
0: Yeah. So it's crazy. You know, we come from completely different different areas. I came from northern Minnesota. You were down here. Um, I was in the transportation and trucking industry. Mm-hmm. You obviously were in the banking industry and doing those things. But a lot of similarities. You talk about working full time and kind of putting your toe in and doing mm-hmm. the thing. That's exactly the same thing I did. I'm working full time and I'm working part-time. And you put a lot of hours in because you're putting your energy into your regular job and then it's time to come home. Same thing. I had two kids under the age of three when I when I quit my job working yep. for my previous employer and it was like, all right, regular paycheck gone. Yep. Here, here we go. <laughs> like we gotta we it Gotta, you gotta make it happen. Yeah, yeah, it's all on me now to put food on the table, make that mortgage payment every month. And then you mentioned that disagreement. Same thing happened with me at work. Disagree with my boss and I thought I would work forever at the company I was at. And at the end of the day, I was just like, like I, your guys, I, I just things got forced upon me that I wasn't expecting. I didn't see coming. Yeah, kind of like you talked about with Wells Fargo, t- COVID. Nobody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened in my life. I was like, man, this is not a good thing, and it turned out to be the best thing that yep. ever that ever happened to me. It's a blessing.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think this is really important, right? Because to the way I look at it, Wells Fargo. You know, if I'm a general, I was a, a senior market manager, and I had a tell a sales team that I supported, then. I, I take marching orders. And the day that I don't agree with them is the day that I have to leave because it's, I, I have to execute their plan. Even if I think I can do it better, I have to execute their plan to the best of my ability. And I think where a lot of times what happens is like people think that they know better. Even if you do, yeah. it's not your job because it's not your company. So being when you work for yourselves, you get to make those decisions. And sometimes you fail, but it's your decision to make. And so when it got to the point where like the direction we were going, it wasn't up for me to to, to uh kick. To kick back against that, it was just—it's time. It was time for me to do my own thing.
0: So, time. so let's talk about Rhino Medical Supply. Yeah. So, when when was the point where you were like, what month was this, right? Because like middle of March is when kind of things started to really get April, shut down.
1: Yeah. So April, our first customer, we sold a million and a half masks to. So he's like, <laughs> all right, are we this is something. Yeah. And and honestly, we didn't know if it was just going to be a good opportunity while it was hot, or if it yeah. was going to be a sustainable business. And then it, we sold a hundred thousand gallons in, in one of our hospitals, and you got to figure out with COVID. It's almost like a uh, a funnel, right? So the guys at the top, or pyramid, the, top, the guys at the top of the totem pole is, still gets priority. Yeah, And the guys at the bottom gets less priority. So, so yeah, New York State, it was hot, and then you can see Governor Cuomo on TV, yep. so send us people. Watch them every day. So they get, yeah. they get the bulk share of PPE, the larger hospitals will be next, and then the smaller states and the smaller hospitals will be, le- uh, you know, the bottom of the totem pole. So we were able to deliver to small to mid-sized hospitals when nobody else would. And our customer said, I don't know what your plans are, but the two people that helped us the most, neither one of you guys were in medical. So if you don't plan on being in business, we plan on doing business with you.
0: All right. So that was the catalyst. Like, so we got so let's, sorry, let's, let's back this up here a second. So you guys see COVID happening. And mm-hmm. we saw it early, too, because our two biggest suppliers were the first one, China. Right, got hit first. Yes, yeah. Our next biggest supplier is Italy. You yep. <laughs> got hit second. Wow. And then our third biggest supplier outside the country, Spain. Spain. I was <laughs> like, are you about to say Spain? Yeah, we were yeah. like all all three were like, all right, this is this is gonna happen here. Like yep. at that point we were like, we th- this is not gonna get contained outside the US. I think a lot of people thought like it would just miss like SARS did and some of those other things, yep. but it came. So we you know you guys are sitting around seeing this in the news, being like, Hey man, I think there's an opportunity here for us to get yep. in this business. And Yeah, and it,
1: and what makes it unique is that Typically, in a downturn environment, you still have to have capital to make capital. So, like, if you got money in, in houses or foreclosing, you could buy a bunch of properties up. Yeah. You know, if or you could buy a bunch of stock. In this environment, you didn't need a lot of capital to really make a splash. You just needed relationships. Yeah. Because hospitals were wiring 100% up front
0: when it first started. Oh, they were. They yeah. were, like, prepaying. There was yeah. no, yeah. like... Thirty days. Thirty day net.
1: So now you have people who have great relationships. Like we'll give you money now. Give us, give us some PPE. Yep. And because of that, there were a lot of people on the playing field. You know, twenty weeks ago, that no longer are because hospitals were like blindly trusting people. So, they didn't get the material. It was it was um, fake? It wasn't authentic. And so it leveled out a, a bunch of people in the playing well, field.
0: Well, so let's talk about that first. So you got two sides of it. You got your supply chain side mm-hmm. and then you have your your sales side, right? Correct. So supply chain side, I mean, how were you guys just ahead of it to go find these suppliers and relationships with manufacturers or how did you guys get ahead of it Great to, to be able question. to go source
1: it? Great question. And that is, I would probably say when we first started, like all jokes aside, is 18 hours a day on the phone, yeah. especially when we had the disagreement with the commission structure we had to find our own and develop our own supply chain, yeah. right? And um, it, it was more of a broker model at first. Yeah. So um, that takes countless running down rabbit holes to find I mean, the right people. That's There's just so you're online scans.
0: finding people doing Winton, chats. Everybody's
1: got something. Everybody, the, you know, the, a lot of the manufacturers reps in like China will reach out to you because like, they want their gowns. Yeah. You know, they were
0: making book bags two weeks ago. Now they're making medical gowns. Yeah. So yeah, our, our people that make cables all of a sudden were emailing us saying, hey, we also make masks. We're like, what the ex- exactly? <laughs> like what is going on over so, there? So that's what you see. You
1: see people yeah. that were making l- literally book bags. And they're like, now we can make gowns. They're just reallocating well, our resources. We
0: didn't know if they were any good or not. We're like, okay, because, you know, you see those videos on Facebook where some mm-hmm. people are getting a mask and they're stretching out with their bare feet and yeah. all, that, all that kind of stuff. Or you're blowing
1: through it and, and you can blow out a candle, which is not supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. So, <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, But, but yeah. sadly, hospitals were still buying them because they had nothing.
0: Oh, so they're just like better than
1: nothing. Better than nothing. <laughs> Anything is better than nothing. And, and that was at the time when they were advising us as consumers not to buy masks because the the healthcare workers needed them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that, that whole thing, it just to go my little rant here for a little bit, it was ridiculous back in March, April. Nope. You don't need a It's fine. Yeah. Now, oh, they're all required. You need to wear them. And by the way, we only told you that so you guys wouldn't buy them. You're yep. like, what, what is going yep, on with exactly. our government here? Like, and, and still today, the other part of my rant, you know, it's amazing how much we don't know today about mm. this whole thing. How serious is it? How not serious is it? It is just yep. all over the map. But at the end of the day, hospitals were getting filled up, and they did need people. They did need protective gear yep. to get inside of them. And we see it. And the cool thing is, like, I'm a big
1: data guy, so, like, just kind of, like, trying to get ahead of trends and analyzing data. Yeah. Now we're seeing in the last two weeks, we've added 20 schools. From colleges to community colleges to public schools from all over the country. Yeah. Um, And it's because they're having positive cases or they're preparing for it. And it's not much quantity. They may, a hospital may need 200,000 masks. Um, We just sold 2,000 masks to a school district in Washington State. Yeah. Um, But they want to make sure that their nurses are good. Um, so, So now we're starting to see a heavy trend towards schools. So I mean, it's, it's like yeah. following that.
0: I can imagine some bigger businesses are out there trying to source them at all. One of our one of our really good customers is Sunbelt Rentals. Okay. So they have you know eight nine hundred locations across the country, and they rent the big the big equipment. Yeah. So the guy that was, he they buy diagnostic tools from us. And um, we're always introducing new partners, new vendors, and he's like, "Look, guys, like I, I want to do that stuff, but I just got tasked with supplying PPE for <laughs> our entire company." And he goes, "I'm just trying to, I, I'm trying to do that for right now. That's all yep. I can do is just that." And you think about private companies like that that have 10, 20, 30,000 employees Listen, spread all over the country.
1: Here, here's a true story. And this is sometimes at first I would get um, kind of starstruck a little bit, and I was like, "I can't believe we're, I'm talking to these people, right?" So we were talking. We've talked to some some corporations, Boeing. Yeah. Right. We're talking to Boeing and she's like, you know, and what we do, we're buying parts for airplane. We're a big deal. But PPE, we're just like everybody else. Yeah. So they were, we we had a conversation with Boeing about PPE. I mean, like I would have never, that was, that would have never been on my radar.
0: Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we didn't get that big that fast, but it's just amazing too now seeing these, you know, two years ago, I'm trying to call like a billion dollar company revenue Mm -hmm. to talk about stuff. They don't know who we are. They're not even having those conversations. It's really cool. And all of a sudden, they're calling us. You're calling saying, you. Yep. Saying, hey, can we talk to you guys? you are yep. like, you know, we're doing the same thing we were two years ago, but it's just perception.
1: And so part it of needs. that is like, all right, and, and it kind of changes our business mindset. Like for us to be a sustainable business, like we're not transactional either. You know, we relationship is how we do business on the swipe side and definitely on the rhino side on, on everything that we, we, we do in business because... When it normalizes, we don't know what the new normal is going to look like. Yeah. We think we have, you know, from our hospitals that we got another year or two year run at this yeah. level, at least buying PPE. But what, it, what does it look like when it normalizes and they can have the picket of the litter who they want to do business with?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's got to be the tough thing is making it a sustainable business, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously there's a huge demand for your product and quality products right. and people are afraid of the knockoffs and yep. and all those things. So that's a big question now. How do, how do you do that? How do you, how do you make this like? Next five years, 10 years, 20 years? Have you thought that far down yet? Yes. Uh, well, I couldn't say 20, but definitely
1: yeah. sustainability is important. So, most uh, the bigger piece of that, and that's a great question, I think the biggest piece is making sure that we continue to develop our own supply chain, yeah. right? So, like this, you see the Demitech mask. That's, yeah. a, that's a U.S. company, you know, and we work directly with Demitech. I was in Miami three weeks ago meeting with them. So, we have a direct partnership with Demitech to sell their masks. So, with lead times, with tariffs, with trade wars, China is not reliable. Um, you can order something from China, and it's supposed to be here in 10 days, it could take 30 days. So now we can control the lead times. We work directly with them. Um, they don't work directly with anybody. So if a hospital likes this mask, they will have to come to us to get it. Yeah. So that, keep, that gives us longevity. Um, same thing with hand sanitizer. So all of the heavily requested items, my job daily is to make sure that we are starting to secure the supply chain domestically, we're about to, um, Lisa building a ten thousand six hundred square foot warehouse that'll allow us to start carrying inventory too. So that's we're growing that way so that we can carry inventory that we're dealing uh, with domestic companies. That's all a big piece of the so. Puzzle. So
0: to this point, you've been you've been able to source the product. Mm-hmm. You've been able to find buyers, schools, hospitals, that type Healthcare of thing. Healthcare systems. Healthcare yep. systems, and you've been able to pretty much just drop ship from manufacturer rate right, rate right to them, which takes trust, right? Yeah, because they know where
1: our customer is. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: they 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 see the return labels on yeah. them, right? So, but now you made the next big step of actually renting a facility and Mm -hmm. getting into the whole lease business and everything else. Is that a big risk on your part? Did you feel like, or was it kind of like, we need to do this?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think here's the thing. When you first get into business, I'm a risk averse person by nature. We talked about that. Yeah. And then when you first get into business, you're more that way. And the longer you're in business, you're like, let's, let's just do it. Yeah. So, and so now we got an interesting dynamic on my team, on our team, on our leadership partner team. I'm like, shoot first. I'm going to get close. If I don't hit the target first, I'm going to get real close. Yeah. And then we got a guy, um, Rashad, and he'll, he's more calculated. Do we really need to shoot? Yeah. And then, you know, Charles is like, um, let, let's make sure we measure. You know, yeah. we should measure twice, cut once. That's Charles. Yeah. And then we got our other partners like, this is, if we're going to shoot, let's use the bazooka. Like, we're using the wrong yeah, thing. Like, this is so great. everybody's got their interests in yeah. dynamics, and we work well together. So now, you know, in year seven of business, I'm like, we just need to do it, yeah, because it's opportunity and you can miss a
0: window. So, well, it's great you have people like that though, because when I was growing up to this company, right, it was just me and I'm just shooting from the hip. Do this, do this, do that, and it got us to a point. But then I had so many things going on, and none of them were standardized. We had, you know, at one point about a dozen websites going all of them had a different login and different password for each user because they yes. didn't talk to each other. You know, it was just yes, like, okay, yes. like we built too many things in silos. We got to figure this out. But I didn't have those people to really talk about those things. I was just like, oh yeah, let's, let's go yeah, do that. That's the hardest
1: part too. And we, we have a great team. Um, my right-hand man, Elliot Haney, I mean, it's, uh, he left his job to, to help with a startup and having people, I think it's good. And I think it's a fault. When I trust you, I trust you to do your job. And I do not yeah. I don't bother you. Like I'm here to support you. But if it's your project, it's your project. So I'm not one of those ones that's like a micromanage at all. And you know, starting Rhino, doing everything from invoicing to POs to talking to suppliers, like doing all of that Well, it's draining. It's not enough time so, in the day.
0: So let's talk about that because there's probably people listening to this that have never owned a business before and you know, purchase orders and things, licenses you need to get, and how do you manage cash flow and payroll? And yep. there's a lot of things going on there. But you did other things before. You worked for Wells Fargo for a while. You had the Hookah Lounge. Yep. You were do. You had your own first company you founded. Yep. And now, and now this one. Do you do you feel like you learned some lessons through those things? Yeah, and I and I'm, I have corny analogies, but I think
1: it, this is maybe this is a decent one. It's almost like to everybody. It's like buying a house. If you bought multiple houses, every time you look for a house, it's something different that you yeah. want that the previous one or two didn't have, yeah. and business is the same way. So the, the more you do business, the more you learn about what not to do or things that you need. So when you started you were in a better footing just to start out. Coming out of the gates, we were more prepared for Rhino because of the experience of the other two businesses.
0: Yeah, all of a sudden you know what needs to get yeah. done and you know the traps and you know You know the traps, you know yeah.
1: like just spend the money up front, like make sure you got a good attorney, make sure you got a good accounting team like because yeah. it's going to come back yep. and and bite you. There's no you can't cut corners in business. You can't cut corners in life, but but if you cut corners in business it's going to be more costly in the end, in
0: So the, long run. the analogy I always give people about this is my wife. We had two kids, right? So the first one, you know, we're reading all the baby books. We're going to the classes. Yeah. We're going to the fire department make sure our car seat's tied in, right? Yep. We're at the hospital, you know, give the birth, go to the doctor. My wife's got like two pages of questions yep. to ask the pediatrician. Second kid comes around, you know? That is like, a
1: part. I'm going yeah. to steal that one because like the second, my son, he's the second. We just took his passy for
0: him. Yeah. The first one was like, do we really want to take Larkin's passy? Like, yeah. you know, she's going to hate us." Yeah. Knocks, nah. Yeah. Like,
1: let me have it. Second, so, yeah.
0: second one. I mean, my wife's in the hospital. Like, gives birth. She's like, "Do we need to stay here tonight? Can we just go home? Yep. Like, bring my kid. Like, we want to get out of here. So, yep. we got released early. That's perfect. We get to the pediatrician at the first one. So like, what questions you got? We're like. No, yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah. We're, we got yeah. this. You know? yeah, we wrote the manual. So, on this. But it's it's those experiences and there's there's costly ones both in time and money there that you learn and it's important. So I've told my wife, when my kids get you know, about middle school age. I want them to go do a small business. Yep. Like I don't care if it's walking the dog, making beef jerky and selling it. I just yep. do something to learn those skills. I'm like, I don't know if I want to give my kids allowance. I'd rather it's like, I'm going to give you some startup money and let you go, but you go figure out how to make figure, your own money. Let me ask you this though. Do you think having a business is a lot like having kids? Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. It is a lot, right? I mean, I mean, some of our employees, I feel like, are kids sometimes, right? I guess yep. I'm, I'm a big. My wife calls me her third child, right? Same yes, so, yes, here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <laughs> there, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of parallels, and I always the the biggest challenge for me when you talk about work and life is that is that balance. Yeah. Like you talked about working the 18 hours a day. I mean, I was that way when I was doing this, but I was working for someone full time. I was yep. up at 5.30 in the morning, work for someone else, get home at 4.30, spend yep. an hour with my one and three year old, yep. and then dad's in his office till 10, 30, yep. o'clock at night and rinse and repeat and we're doing it again tomorrow.
1: Yep, and because and, and to me, I think like, if you think about it from a, a family context, Your job is just like, to me, it's like a kid. It keeps you up at night. You worry about it. You
0: get excited about the future. Like everything that you do about your child is like a business. You you know, that's the perfect analogy. It's it's been really weird. I have have literally not been sleeping well the last couple nights. And it's not because I'm scared or worried. It's because I'm so excited Excited, to see how in a pandemic, we're having record sales months. Mm -hmm. We're growing. We've heard 30 employees over the last couple months. And we have so many things we've worked on for years that are all about to like a, you know. They're they're about to just like at the same hear, time, at the same yep. time, you know. And we're like, I'm like, and Man, it gives you energy. Oh, I can
1: I can feel your energy, and I'm that's just, the thing. Yeah, it, and that's and I think you have to experience because everybody can relate to working somewhere where you just like you do it and you get burned out, and when you get home, you just whatever you do to unwind, you have yep. to do that. Um, but this one is like nonstop. You're thinking of ways to grow it, and I get more excited. I get it equally as excited. As picking out a new desk for the new space we're about to move into is sending an invoice. Like everything about the business excites me. And that's a good energy.
0: Yeah. You know, I always told my, you know, people always ask me, like, when do you know or when do you want to sell or do whatever with it? My kids are young, right? And it's just me. And I'm like, you know what? When I wake up and I'm excited about coming here to work and I enjoy what I do, like, I'm going to yeah. keep doing that for a really long time. Yep. So, you know, it, it's crazy. We've been off. I've been off for crazy amounts of money to sell the company. I'm just like, I, It's not. Even, that's not even what it's about anymore. Yeah. You know, what's about creating change from a little dent in the universe and, and yep. doing something a little bit different and trying to improve the way the way things happen. So you inspire people too. I mean, I want to make sure, I don't know if anybody's told you on Uh, It feels really weird. I feel really weird when people say that. It's true though. uh, You know, I'm not out there trying to like inspire people. I'm just excited to tell our story. But if you think about it, it's
1: not many, and I'm poor, I do a poor job at this. It's not many people that gives insight of how like CEOs think and the decisions that you have to make and the successes and the growth to be able to see it. It inspires people who are like, I can do this too. I mean, that's kind of how, that's why I reached out to you. It's yeah. Like, I, and you'll see a part in the book is like, find someone that's more talented than you and, and stand beside that Well,
0: person. let's talk about the book for a second because yeah. the very first time you talked to me, you know, you sent me a message on LinkedIn. Yep. You're like, hey, man, I just like to introduce myself and talk to you and, you know, I'm like, hey, that, that'd that be great. I'm, I'm always yep. for doing that. And then you mentioned this book. So yep. why don't, why don't we, so we have it, you know, on the YouTube, they'll see it here, right? Steal Like an Artist. Steal Like an Artist. Right. So what, tell me about this book. So it's, it's essentially, it's like a coffee table book.
1: It's a simple, really easy read. It's like mostly quotes, but essentially it's saying, um, and even in the Bible, it says there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. So every great, um, uh, thing has come from something else and you were inspired by something that you saw Yeah. and then it, I mean, you put your own juice in it and you you created something bigger, but you know, whether it be art, whether it be, you know, someone saw like, here's a. Uh, mp3 player now let's put it in the phone yeah but the mp3 player wasn't novel there's very few things that are novel um, but you know there's quotes like for instance you know it says and it goes back to sometimes it's good to be the dumbest person in the room yeah right because it if you have some blood in you it it motivates you and it's not from a, um, a jealousy standpoint it's just from like this person's gonna make me better so it, it has a quote about you know standing your circle I think is really important and being around talented people, you know, birds of a feather flock together. They right? do. Yep. So if you're around someone who's really not ambitious or motivated, then they're not going to encourage your dreams. They're going to think it's impossible. Yep. But if you are around people that are like extremely ambitious and they think that, you know, you can go to Mars next week, then you're going to think that too. And that's kind of how type of people I want to be mean, surrounded about. So that's why I kind of like stalked you, I uh, sought out you is because I think having mentors in different industries is important because we have very similarities in business in general, but just, You've,
0: you've, you're, you're charting a path that I want to go. Right? Can, can you imagine talking to Elon Musk 15 years ago and he says to you, You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start the first American car company in the United States no in gas. the last 50 years. We're not going to use gas. Self drive. And, and, and it's going to self drive and it's going to do all these things to be a car like you've never seen before. Oh, and by the way, I'm also going to send someone to Mars. Yep. Right? Yeah, you would have said, You're crazy. You're crazy, man. Yep. You are absolutely crazy. And a lot of people have bet against him and here he is. And, you know, people see it a lot in tech. It's a lot of other businesses yep. as well. And you mentioned, you know, you don't necessarily need to do something new. Like a lot of what we do isn't new. Yeah, we're just trying to put all the pieces together. Yep. Instead of having to deal with eight people, you can deal with one, and we'll make those work cohesively, and we'll make improvements as we go. So I think a lot of our competitors look at us and just say, "Oh, they're just doing this and that." And then you know we're like, "No," but we're also doing this, 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 and that. Right, and they and don't even see it. They don't and see that they can't put those pieces together. And I think I don't know if
1: it was Michael Irvin who said it, but and I think this is true. Like because I think uh, entrepreneurs are wired. We have to be wired a little bit different. Yeah, literally, you, you kind of eat. Well, you you, you got to
0: question everything, and you got to think the different angles. Yep. Yeah,
1: and and he said that the um, the ordinary don't doesn't understand the
0: extraordinary.
1: Yeah, because sometimes you talk to people and you're like this is, don't get it. Like they they're looking at you like you're crazy. And yeah, like it, it, it,
0: it
1: just we just think differently, so, and so, that's okay.
0: So two years ago, you know, I was. We had this idea to deal with the truck parts industry. This is a $34 billion industry, Mm -hmm. right? And if you can make a list of all the things that industry requires that's just ripe for disruption, it's the truck parts industry. We still, they still people call or go to the store. There's nothing's electronic and it's disjointed and all these things. And I was literally telling people like, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go fundamentally change the way that $34 billion truck parts industry works. And they look at me and they're like... Okay, yeah, okay look, whatever, good, dude, good yeah, with yeah, that. Good, good <laughs> look at that. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I, I mean, I, I see it, right? Yep. And I, I think it took a while for some of our employees to understand it. But now when we talk to our employees about it, and we now we're now we're at the point it's about to come out, right? And we're yep. showing it to people. They're kind of like, Yeah, okay, this is legit. And they're like, where'd you guys come from? I'm like... Garage. Five years yeah. in the garage, man. That's where we came from. We just we just wanna make the world a little bit better place and and, and do our thing over here and try to keep keep growing, right? Yep. And not just as a person, but as a business. And that's what's been cool in your story is I got a feeling that Rhino's not the last company you're gonna start. Yeah, we're we're about
1: to um we just launched it. We got our minority business enterprise certificate. Okay. Which is good. Um because like the companies like BMW and Floor and Boeing. They, yeah, big important. companies around yeah, here. They, they, that's important to them. So we just got that. So we're starting a rhino industrial supply. Okay. Um, and that's going to be more catered to PPE for like the industrial type business. Yeah. You know, like it could be earplugs. It could be safety goggles. So that's, we know it's a market because we get asked yeah. for it. Yep, And then they, and the next question is like, well, you know, How can we do business with you? What makes sense? So yeah, um, that's something that we're we literally just launched, and we're we're going to have that out pretty soon.
0: It's just crazy, and I've had a couple guests on this year on the podcast, and it's crazy how something as horrible as COVID, Mm -hmm. how many good things and how much change is forced all of a sudden because of because of that situation. And I really feel, and it's maybe insensitive for me to say, but I really feel like as a society and as a country. I think we're going to come out of this thing much better and stronger than we went into this. No, thing.
1: I agree because I think just from you know a human standpoint, an emotional standpoint, like it allowed us to level set, yeah. like priorities, w- things that we thought was important is yeah. not really important. Yep. Like I, I communicate with even family. Yeah. Like more than I have. But, I've, I've, I you same know,
0: here. I didn't. And t- you know, just kind of like a byproduct. You're yeah. Like, hey, dad, so, how you doing? Right. Hey, hey, brother, you know. Yeah. So, so that,
1: so I mean, I've been on. Um, <laughs> I've had daddy daycare going on since March.
0: <laughs> so, so this yeah. is
1: um, my wife is a pharmacist and she's got a, a week on, a week off schedule where she can work from home for weeks. So that allows us to kind of do the virtual learning thing. But um, no, that's, it is allowed... It's allowed us to level set like priorities and what's really important. And to make sure that you they say give flowers to people while they're living, right? Yeah. And you can you can make sure that you stay better in contact. I've had Zoom calls with friends that I haven't talking to, haven't spoken to in years. You know, we keep up with each other on social media. Yeah. We've actually had like Zoom calls. My buddies at Duke. Yeah. You know, we'll have a Zoom call. So like it's those type of things have I think there's a lot of good. And then also realizing the sometimes workers who you may not think is essential you realize like these guys are really essential to us yeah and they really help us live and go about our day our yeah. daily lives
0: i mean I, I really feel fortunate we were we were able to keep all the employees on payroll here we were able to do the COVID testing we we're able to do the uh diesel academy we got going on downstairs for a lot of the the elementary school kids and you know i, I go back to you're right things have changed perceptions have changed yep. you know the new there's... normal
1: it's just it's going to be a new normal like i think everybody hand sanitizer is always going to be a thing um, gloves, masks, to some standpoint, I mean, I'm kind of, as much as I would love to go see my Gamecocks in person, I couldn't imagine doing it with 80,000 people right now.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go center on 80,000 people yeah. in a stadium. I Actually, I, I kind of always preferred, actually. I'm you know, a little older, but I always prefer now, like, I kind of sit in my better couch. TV? Yeah, <laughs> you can
1: listen. When we go bad, we can yep. flip the channel. Yep. So, I mean, yep.
0: yeah. Yeah, so I totally agree. It's it's just it's interesting So everyone handles this. You know, I saw the CDC announced today they think they'll have a vaccine ready to go by November yep. 1st. So, I, I feel like we're at the tail end of this the rap, thing. The I, rapid I, I, hope testing. We,
1: I hope we are. Because um, you guys do testing here every
0: week. Every week, yeah. We do the saliva test. It's a program through USC, actually. We got on a uh, pilot program with okay. them. So yeah, they're, you know, you had this, you know, as we're recording this here, this will air later, but we have, you know, they're going back to school now and, you know, we'll see how school turns out this year, right. And everything. So it'll be interesting year. Well, so, I mean, one of the things we're working on is progressive. So part of being, I think business owners and making
1: sure you're, you're proactive and progressive and staying in front of what's coming down the pipe. So testing is a big thing because everybody, we talked to Duke Energy, um, my days run together on yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. And one of their biggest pain points, they're good on PPE, but it's like, how do they get their guys back to work? Yep. Right. So we're working on, I'm with one of our partners to do a rapid testing. It's like a breathalyzer. So you blow in it. I, and I've less seen than articles a minute, about that. Yeah. Less than a minute, you get, yeah. get real time feedback. So if you're talking about getting people in stadiums and you got a breathalyzer test that doesn't take a medical professional to administer it, yeah. then you can get people in less than a minute. They know if they're you know, they yeah. COVID or not. So
0: well, I was disappointed, you know, to hear recently that uh, North Carolina went back to like Phase One, so now the Panthers won't have a home, you know, in oh. their stadium the first the first game of the season. But we're just, I mean, it sounds like everyone's just trying to walk that line between let's be safe, let's try to all be healthy. And then there's the whole, we need to move on with our lives. No, are you business. a
1: homebody or are you like a...
0: I'm, I'm normally a homebody anyway, but I the only time I'm not is when I travel for business. Gotcha. So, you know, usually January, February, March is like trade show season in our industry for whatever reason. Yep. And I was in Vegas uh, at a big convention, 130,000 people. Wow. And they, they cut it short, and that's right when like the NBA canceled, the uh, NHL yeah. canceled. So nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. no, it, it just like, they were like, we're shutting it down. You're kind of like, okay. okay. It, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so. and so that, for me, for COVID, I'm a homebody. So when I go home, I'm just, I'm playing video games, I'm, I'm spending time with my kids. Like, it's, I'm looking at Gamecock stuff. So that
0: part hasn't, I haven't been like, hadn't. Had having yeah, fever. I, I, I wasn't going to really do much stuff. I feel bad for my kids more than anything because, yeah. you know, at first certain neighbors didn't want our kids to play with each other and you couldn't go to the zoo or go to the parks or any of that stuff. But we, you know, we got through it all yep. and everything. So, all right, Lance. So at the end of the day, if someone's listening to this and they're interested in contacting you, um, or learning more about Rhino, where where's the best place to get a hold of you at Rhino? You can go
1: to um, so Lance at RhinoMedicalSupply or okay. you know uh, RhinoMedicalSupply is another one. And my yeah. phone number is eight zero three two nine seven seven nine nine two. And I'm an open book. So one of the things I really believe in, if you're starting out a business and you need whatever guidance I can be, I don't know everything about business, but I've had experiences through business. Yeah. Um. I would, I would love to be a resource to you and because someone along the way has reached down to me and helped me up. Yeah. So, and that's and I, that's important to me to kind of give back to. So,
0: yeah. I mean, you're obviously a very smart, ambitious young man here. So, you got thank a great you. future ahead of you. You know, wherever that the wherever that takes you, I got a got a sneaky suspicion you're going to be very successful throughout it. your career. So, all right, with everyone. Uh, so, I want to just say thank you for listening or watching this episode. If you're on YouTube, it's been great to have Lance here, hear a story about entrepreneurship. It's definitely possible for those of you listening to this. I started in my garage. Lance started I'm in his garage. I'm working in my garage right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's definitely a doable thing. The American Dream is definitely not dead. Just get out there and do things. And as we always end it, remember, it's not just diagnostics. It's diagnostics done right. Thank you for watching and listening.